Well, good morning, Hershey Free Church. My name is Nick Mantle. I'm the pastors on staff here. I just want to say thank you for joining us for church today. We are so excited to have you with us. We are continuing in our study called Resilient Joy. It's a study on the book of Philippians. In fact, if you have your Bibles, whether it's a physical one, whether it's online, it's on an app, whatever it is, go ahead and open to Philippians chapter 3 because that's where we'll be today. We're going to start in verse 1 and go all the way through verse 11, and we're really going to dig into what Paul is challenging us to do as Christ followers. So again, Philippians chapter 3, and we'll begin in verse 1, so let's read that together. Further, my brothers and my sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. But watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and in regards to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, and as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection, to participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So right away in verse 1, Paul is saying, look, my brothers and my sisters, I want you to understand what I just talked about in light of what I'm going to talk about. He's bringing us back to what we just talked about. And he's like, hey, understand this, that who you are in Christ is going to change your whole life. And so we look at this, but then from verse 1 to verse 2, it's like this really kind of like sharp transition because Paul goes from saying, hey, I'm writing the same thing to you, and I want it to be a safeguard. But he goes, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. And we're like, whoa, Paul, <laughs> you went from like 0 to 100 in like the blink of an eye. Like, what's going on here, my man? And Paul is writing from a place of passion. He's saying, brothers and sisters, What we just talked about is your whole identity is rooted in Christ. Your whole identity is shaped by the gospel. But there are people who are trying to pull you away from it. In fact, during this time period, there were people who were spreading false gospels. They were pulling people away from from following Jesus and ripping them from the church and saying, follow this narrative. And Paul is going, do you realize, church, do you realize that you have to hold everything to the truth of the gospel? If somebody says something, you should always weigh it against God's word, which we know to be completely true. And he's saying, if our identity in Christ, that means Christ has changed us from the inside out, and these people are pulling us away from it. It's like they're ripping us. They're ripping our flesh away from what makes us whole. And so Paul uses very, very strong wording here to challenge us to always make sure that what we are looking at is from the word of God. Because again, our identity is shaped by God. And what Paul wants us to understand today is this. Is if we say, hey, we believe in God and we want to follow him, that means that we need to know him. We need to know who Christ is. And so I think that's what Paul is actually doing in this text. He's going to talk to us about what knowing Christ actually means. Now in saying that, there may be some of you who go, man, this is a sermon I can just tune out. 
Because I know Christ. I know what it's like to follow Christ. But before you do that, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question that perhaps is a little bit provocative. Is your walk with Jesus, your relationship with Jesus, the same today as it was on the day that you decided to follow him? It's a hard question, isn't it? It forces us to look inward into our heart and to say, man, maybe, maybe it's not. And you see, I think part of the reason is this. It's, it's we actually need to familiarize ourselves with, with two theological terms. Justification and sanctification. Justification is this. It means that you have been declared righteous from, from God. And what that means is at the moment of salvation, when you say, God, I know, I know I am a sinner, God. I know I need you. I know I can't do this on my own, God. I want to get rid of trying to do it by myself and making me the king of my life. I want you to be the king of my life, God. In that moment, we are told that we are made righteous before God. But here's the thing. It's not finished in that moment. You see, it's not like at at that moment of salvation that we become perfect, that we're like instantaneously perfect. In fact, if you are perfect, like please give me a call after this because I would love to dialogue with you a little bit because I don't know how to get there. But what we see then is the process, which is sanctification, and that is the ongoing process as we continue in our salvation as we grow in righteousness. So after we've made that profession of faith, we are now working out our salvation. We are learning what it means to walk with Jesus, to be in relationship with him. But I think the problem is that at times we become complacent with just justification. We go, sweet, I made my decision. I followed Jesus. I'm not going to hell. I'm saved. Done deal. But the problem is this, folks is if we are not working on knowing what it means to follow Jesus, on understanding what that means, we will forever just be stuck in flux. We will not be moving. We will always be going, is this it? You see, we need to understand that part of our faith is working it out, of walking through that sanctification process. And I believe today we will hear that from the Apostle Paul. So hopefully you tune in and you hear what he says as we seek to understand what knowing Christ means. And the first step in knowing Christ is this, is we understand that our confidence is in Christ and nothing else. In verse 3, Paul actually says, he goes, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And I don't think this is just applicable to the Philippian church. It's applicable to us as well. Because how often do we put stock into what we do, into the jobs that we have, the titles that we have, the awards that we have gotten, the friends that we have, the homes we live in, the cars we drive? Paul's saying, guys, we don't put any confidence there. The only place we put our confidence is Jesus Christ. Because if we say, hey, we're following after him and we realize we need him because we can't do it, our confidence can't be in anything that we do or have. It can only be in Christ who fulfills that. And what Paul does is he takes it a step further. And he actually tells us in verses 4 through 6, we should not boast or take pride in ourselves or our accomplishments. Check this out. I love this. Paul gives a personal example. He goes, look, you think that you can boast? Hey, check this out. I have more reasons. He goes, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regards to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. And as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Paul goes, you think you have a reason to boast? Hang on, check this out. Here, hold my soda and let me tell you what's up, all right? He goes, first of all, he goes, I come from a great family, the family everybody wanted to be from. You think you can boast about your family? Nah, check out mine. 
He goes, you think that you can boast about like how you followed all the rules and everything? I was a Pharisee. That was my job. I was hired because I was a good rule follower. He goes, you think that you have all this zeal and this passion? He goes, man, he goes, I destroyed the church. What about you? He goes, and as for those of you who think that you are righteous, he goes, man, nobody could find any fault in me in accordance to righteousness based off of works. Paul's like, you think you have something? He goes, I could match it and take it another step. He goes, but that's the thing. That's the thing. It doesn't matter. In fact, what we see from the story of Paul is as he's traveling to go and persecute the church, he has a radical confrontation with Jesus, and Jesus shapes everything about his life and says, this did not matter, Paul. I matter, and I'm going to change your life now for the better. And we must understand that everything that we have does not matter. It's not ours to begin with. We, we, we don't deserve any of it. It's not owed to us. And what we need to understand is Paul is telling us here, he's going, look, guys, it's not about doing all the right things or where you come from, your heritage, your family. It's not about where you live, what church you go to. It's not about a checklist. It's about a relationship. Paul says right here, he goes, look, he goes, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But that's not where we live. We don't live on the law. We live on Christ. It's not about the letter of the law. It's about a relationship with Jesus. It's about being like him in all that we do, say, and think. And Paul wants us to understand that we don't boast in what we do because it's broken. We boast in Christ. And then because of that, we understand that all we have or believe that we deserve is actually nothing. And I think we would all agree with that, but let me ask you a question. Have you ever at any point in your life thought to yourself, well, I didn't deserve that. Why do they get that? That's not fair. And I think really, if we, if we were honest with ourselves, just like Paul is, it's rooted in self-righteousness, believing that we deserve something, that we are owed something. In fact, if you look at these verses, verses 7 through 8, Paul says, whatever were gains to me, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I lost everything. The reality is this, it's like all that we have is worthless. It doesn't mean anything because it's not something that is actually ours. Everything that we have, the cars that we have, the homes that we live in, the schools that we go to, the friends that we have, the jobs that we hold, the awards and the, and the medals that we have received, this church that we call our church, the very air that we breathe is not Ours. It is a gift from God. We must understand that, that what we have or believe we deserve is actually nothing. We don't deserve anything. We don't deserve a good life. We don't deserve a nice home. We don't deserve all the, the best friends. But God goes, I give you everything. And folks, when we understand that, when we understand that, that everything that we have, that everything that is contained in like these little billfolds that we have, is nothing. It changes our attitude and our perspective. Because when we realize that, that our finances that we, we, we watch so closely are not ours, it makes us different people because we realize our identity is not here, but it's in Christ. And so what it does is it makes us actually more generous, more compassionate, and it shapes how we engage with this world. And so what that means then is that when we know Christ, everything we do 
should point others to Jesus. Instead of sitting here going, oh man, I should really count how much money I have before I donate to a cause. We go, this isn't mine to begin with, so here you go. And we give it away. And it's not just finances, it's everything about who we are. We realize that it's not ours anymore. We go, because of what Christ has done, the freedom that he has given to me, my identity in him, I can have the freedom to let go and to trust God in the process. And then we also see here in the last two verses, verses 10 through 11, that knowing Christ means that we need to experience the power of the resurrection in sharing his sufferings. And it's interesting here, because if you read verses 10 through 11, it actually says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. You know, I don't know anybody who, when they followed Jesus, this is the verse that made them follow Jesus. Because usually when we talk to people about following Jesus, we don't go, hey, um, yeah, it's going to be great. You're going to, you know what, you're going to spend eternity with God in heaven. But by the way, you're going to suffer. That's usually not our go-to response when we're witnessing to people, right? Usually our go-to is like, hey, God is going to be for you. He's going to forgive your sins. He wants to have a relationship with you. He's going to walk with you. You need to trust him. But folks, here's the reality. Following Jesus is not all unicorns and puppies. It's not. I wish it was, but it's not. The reality is this, that as we are looking to be transformed by the truth of the gospel, as we are looking to know Christ, there is going to be hardship and suffering. From a very spiritual standpoint, as we are following Christ, as we get to know him more, as we are walking through that sanctification process, the work of God is happening in our hearts. And what it is doing is it's taking the old and it's making it new. It is taking who we were and making us into who we are to be in Christ. And that's not easy. That hurts. As we realize that what we put our identities in before, our fault are faulty and broken, and we have to put it in Christ, and we have to move from here to here. It isn't easy, because when you root your identity in something else and you're moving it to Christ, you are pulling pieces of yourself away to make yourself whole. It is hard, and it works deep within our hearts as we are looking to take the truth of the gospel and to work it outward. It is hard, and it causes suffering and hardship within our lives. But it's even more than that. It's more than just like the, the pain of moving from the old self to the new. Because as we are working out that new, that new person through Christ Jesus, it's going to change who we are externally as well. And it's going to change how we engage with others. It's going to shift the relationships that we have. We may lose relationships. People may turn against us. We may see people follow Jesus. But the reality is it's going to be hard. We are going to share in his sufferings. We are going to walk through that with him. Just as Jesus himself had to battle the flesh when he came to earth as both God and man. So do we have to battle against the flesh, and it's going to cause us to suffer. But the beauty of it is, folks, is the suffering is not the end. The suffering is only temporary. As we are working towards understanding what it means to be like Jesus and finally experiencing the full resurrection with him when we are seated in glory with Christ. This is not the end. The end result is being like Christ and being in fellowship with him for eternity. That's what knowing Christ looks like. Knowing Christ is about understanding that our identity is in him and therefore our whole lives are shaped by him. But as we understand what knowing Christ means, like what's the end game here? Like that's great. That's great that we know what it means to, be, to know Christ, but what do we do with that? 
Well, I think the obvious answer is this. Is as we know Christ, we live for Christ. As we know Christ, we live for him. And I know that seems overly simplistic, but that's the truth of it. Like once you know what Christ has done in your life, shouldn't that cause you to live for him? And I think about what that looks like, and I think first it looks like this. It looks, at, looks like us spending time on the relationship. I mean, think about it. Like for those of you who are married, okay, or even if you're not married, just think about like how you've seen spouses interact with each other or as a friend. Like what if you were a spouse and you went to work, you didn't have any communication with your spouse until you got home, you walked in the door, um, you just kind of went about, you got showered up because you were dirty after work, you know, and then it's time to sit dinner and you have a real quick brief conversation there. Hey, how was your day? It was good. Hey, thanks for making the food. Great. You eat your dinner, you just kind of keep going, doing your own thing. You retreat to your study for a little while. If you have a study, maybe just in front of the TV, right? And then, like, you get ready for bed, you go lay down, you're starting to fall asleep, and then, oh, hey, um, I'm sorry, how was your day? Oh, okay, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, my day was, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, um, yeah, um, thank you, thank you just for all you've done at home. home and... But, like, we understand that that isn't okay in a marriage relationship, but why do we settle for that in our relationship with the king of, the, of this world and of heaven? Like, why do we settle for that? Why do we only allow for, like, when we come to church on a Sunday or before a meal or, like, as we're going to sleep, that that is the time that we spend on our relationship? It's not okay for a marriage. Why is it okay for us to do that when it comes to the king of the world? You see, folks, we need to spend time on the relationship. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's not just a a quick devotional thing. If we are in a relationship with Christ, if he is truly the identifier to who we are, we should spend all of our time with him. We should be investing in that relationship all the time. But we should also then be finding our identity in Christ and letting go of all other identifiers. Folks, when we understand that Christ is who we shape our lives around, people should see that. They shouldn't see the cars that we drive, the homes that we live in, the schools that we go to, the friends that we have. They should see Jesus as the sole identifier to who we are. That means we need to die to self so that we live for Christ. All this is worthless. Christ is everything. And what that means then is that we understand that who we were, who we were pales in comparison to who we are. You see, we thought we had it all here, but Christ gives us everything here. As we walk with Jesus, as we we struggle through this relationship, as we are working out this sanctification process, we see that everything over here pales in comparison. All the stuff that we put our stock into doesn't matter. It doesn't hold salt to what Christ gives to us. So we must understand that this is who we were. And we have to constantly be moving away from who we were. That's the sanctification process. We were justified, made righteous, but now we are moving to who Christ has designed us to be in him. Heirs, ambassadors, co-laborers, sons and daughters, prince and princesses. We are moving from here from temporal identifiers to eternal identifiers. That is what we are doing. And then lastly, we must understand this. Living for Jesus means this, that we are working out our salvation as it's worked into our hearts. It's not just that we're living for Jesus. It's not just a checklist. Paul had that. He did real good at it. It's not a checklist. God isn't about transactions. He's about a relationship. So that means what we are doing within our hearts is we are seeking to be like Christ. We must be working it out. 
We must be taking the truth of the matter that we share in the resurrection, that we share in the sufferings of Jesus. Allow that truth to grab a hold of our lives. Allow it to become so intertwined with who we are that radically changes us from the inside out. That when people see us, they realize that how we engage with them is a manifestation of what is in our hearts. We are working out the salvation that has been worked in. From that moment when we say, God, I want to follow you, when we are justified by God, we say, I'm going to work that out in my life in each moment of every day. I want people to see Jesus in me, in my actions, in my conversations. I want people to see Jesus in me. I want to live for Jesus because I I realize that he is everything, that my identity is in him and him alone. So folks, let me ask you something. Are you living for Jesus? Are you willing to die to self and to walk with Jesus as you live for him on a daily basis? Are you willing to to engage in that process of sanctification? It won't be easy. There's going to be struggles and hardships. But going from here, which paled in comparison to here, where you are made righteous in God's eyes, where you are declared as his sons and daughters, is incredibly worth it. Temporary, eternal. Are you willing to live for Jesus in each moment of each day? Will you pray with me? Awesome God, we are so thankful for you. We are thankful that even though that we, we couldn't do it on our own, we were like Paul, Father, we tried to do everything right and we failed that you sent your son to be not just the justification, but the sanctification for our lives. You sent him as the propitiation for our sins, to bear the the guilt and the pain and the punishment we deserved so that we could be in right standing with you. Father, may that be, may that be what defines us. May we identify only as Christ followers, only, only as people who radiate the truth of the gospel. May people know Jesus how we live out our relationship with him. We pray this in your name. Amen.